You're listening to Strong Runner Chick Radio, episode 17. Strong Runner Chicks, Megan here. Just wanted to pop in and tell you about our first ever Strong Runner Chick retreat taking place in the beautiful Boulder, Colorado mountains this summer. It'll be May 29th through June 1st, and we are going to have some incredible guests in store for you guys. Go check it out at Strong Run Chicks on Instagram, um, on our website, strongrunnerchicks.com, or you can feel free to send us an email or a DM on instructions about how to sign up. We hope to see you there and have a wonderful rest of your day. Welcome to Strong Runner Chick Radio, a leading online community where our goal is to educate, empower, and connect female distance runners across the world. We believe in healthy running, fueling, and embracing our strength as female distance runners inside and out. Through interviews with top professional, collegiate, and master's level runners, leading dietitians, coaches, sports psychologists, and runners of all shapes and sizes, we hope to spread the message that there is no one-size-fits-all approach to distance running. Now, let's get to the show. Hey, Strong Runner Chicks. Welcome to another episode of Strong Runner Chick Radio. Today, we have Neely Gracie with us. We are so excited to be interviewing her today. Welcome to the show, Neely. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. We're so happy to have you, and um, thank you for taking the time out of your day on a Friday afternoon to join us. Um, For us, it's a really awesome way to enter into the weekend, so thank you again. Yeah, well, I love doing these type of things, and so it's fun to get to chat with you guys because one of my favorite things is talking about running. Oh, ours too, <laughs> clearly. <laughs> All right, so let's welcome you onto the podcast. Neely was born into the sport, literally. Her dad, Steve Spence, a 1992 Olympic marathoner and 1991 World Champs bronze medalist, was running the Boston Marathon on the day she was born. She grew up in Shippensburg, Pennsylvania, and in the eighth grade set some big goals for herself, which led her to run the Shippen- for Shippensburg University, where she broke several records and was named Conference Athlete of the Year for every season she competed. She is an eight-time NCAA Division II champion and still holds two NCAA records. In 2016, Neely debuted at the Boston Marathon and was the first American finisher in 235. Later that year, she took a step further with 234 and an eighth place finish at the New York City Marathon, following up with several 2017 victories. She's excited for the what for what the next year will bring as she pauses her running career to start a family. She's ultimately hopes to build towards the 2020 Olympic year. Today, Neely lives in Boulder, Colorado with her husband, Dylan, and their Vizsla. Is that how you pronounce it? Vizsla? Is that the name of the Vizsla. dog? Yeah. Vizsla? Yeah. Okay. Vizsla Strider. <laughs> they are happily entrenched in the running community. Between training and competing, she enjoys coaching her team of athletes through, the get, through her Get Running coaching business. So what a wonderful introduction, Neely. There's so much there that we want to pick at and kind of get under the layers of. Um, so let's start off by asking you, how did you get your start in running? <laughs> Well, you sort of already touched on it, right? Like, I was born into the sport. Both my parents were runners, and it was sort of inevitable that I would find running at some point. Um, I think growing up, I didn't really know any different. I didn't really understand that, like, running isn't something that a lot of 
people don't even think about doing every day. It just seems like this is just what people do. And so if I wanted to hang out with my family and like be involved in what was going on, like there was always a run involved. And I learned at a very young age to ride a bike so I could keep up with my parents while they were running. And it's just sort of grown from there. But eighth grade was when I really found running for myself. And I set personal goals that I wanted to accomplish. And I started to get competitive. And so that was probably like the starting point of what I call my career of running. Um, and I started with a 29-minute 5K. And I ran that 5K. I ran a turkey trot with my grandmother. And uh, I remember as we were finishing, I saw the finish line and she was like, okay, now sprint. And I just took off and out kicked my grandma in this turkey trot. And from that point on, I was like, that was so much fun. I want to run another race. Um, and so a few, like a little while later, I watched the um, Foot Locker National Championships for high school. And I looked at my dad and I was like, I want to go. I want to do that. And my dad's like, uh, like, these are the top 40 best in the whole country. Like, you have to be really good. This is like the Olympics for high school. And I was like, okay, tell me what to do. And so I started training. And obviously, it was super ambitious going from a 29-minute 5K to, you know, having to run like 18 minutes to qualify. And I ended up running um, the – Foot Locker Cross Country Regional Championship um, the following year, and I finished 14th, and top 10 got to go to nationals. So I just missed my goal, but I, I ran, you know, 1850 or something like that, um, and I was really happy because I knew that I was taking the right steps, and I was really focused, so I, I trained a whole nother year, and anyways, I didn't make it my sophomore year either, but then I went to Foot Locker both as a junior and senior, and that really like gave me that impetus that running was really important to me, and hard work pays off, and you just have to be persistent. Oh, absolutely. Such a great story of kind of, like you said, persistence. Um, I feel like, you know, it's so nice to hear that it's, it's actually really kind of makes you feel like a, a real person when you say, I had to work hard for this. Like, I'm not, not, like, I didn't, like, bump onto the scene and was, like, the best in the world, you know, or best in mm -hmm. high school or whatever. So it was, it's almost refreshing to hear you say that you had to really work for this and you had these goals that you wanted to attain and achieve. Oh, yeah. As runners, that's one of my favorite things about this sport is we all go through the same emotions and the same process to meet our goals. And so it's never smooth. It's never perfect. Um, it always takes hard work and grit and so the days where you don't want to get out there. Um, and so it's really, I think, unifying. And that's a really cool aspect. Um, no matter what level of competitive or non-competitive runner you are, you feel a lot of the same things as the people at the very top and the people who are just starting because we all were that person once just starting and running is hard and we know that feeling. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Running is hard. Oh my gosh. It can be really hard some days. I don't know about you guys, but I was, oh, yeah. I feel it all the time. It's so humbling. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. So, um, your dad being an Olympic marathoner and a world championship bronze medalist, which wow is amazing. Also, um, 
with that though, did you ever feel pressured um, to continue following his footsteps? Like, was there ever a pressure to, to um, kind of live up to those expectations? Well, I mean, it's something that's always discussed. I think every article somewhere says, Neely Spence Greasy, daughter of 92 Olympic marathoner Steve Spence or whatever. Um, but to me, it's really not a sense of pressure. It's really more like if he could do it, so could I. And I really embraced, um, you know, being his daughter and being able to follow in, quote, his footsteps. Um, so far, I've accomplished... Uh, more than he did um, both in high school and college and I'm hoping that you know I can pursue my to continue to pursue my goals as a professional um, I've competed five times for Team USA just not at an Olympic event so that's definitely a goal of mine um, and of course he has the bronze medal from the world championships so that's a that's a pretty uh ambitious <laughs> goal but hey Shalene showed us this year that uh you know you persist a lot of things are possible and i'm definitely excited about where i think my career can go in the future um and so i think that i have a lot to look forward to still with running mm -hmm. So you mentioned to us a little bit about growing up in Shippensburg, Pennsylvania and, you know, running as a girl and in um, college, but what I, or not in college, excuse me, in high school, but what I didn't know, and I was really interested to read was that you're, you were homeschooled. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So actually I went to a Montessori school from preschool until third grade. And then at that time, my mom, um, I have, I have twin sisters who are three years younger. And so it was the point where they would have to start school and my mom was a teacher and she was like, okay, so I'm going to go to work to send my three kids to school. And then with my dad, he's the coach at Shippensburg university and a coaching um, job. The hours are very different. So he held practice in the afternoon into the evening and then he's gone on weekends. So the time that he was home when we could have family time was when we would be at school and that was like a really hard thing for my mom to swallow because she really valued family time. And she decided to try homeschooling us since she was a teacher. Um, and it was a really hard transition, but I adapted. Um, I really liked school and I'm social and so, and I enjoy structure. And so I think that was like a, a big transition for me, but being able to have that family time, um, have that, time with my dad and then I think it also helped my running because I would go to practice with my dad and hang out with him from like a really young age um, and I was just around the sport so much I would go to meets and like help him out and time and take notes and write down splits and stuff and so I really learned a lot about running um, that I didn't even realize would help me later on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I can actually have this envision um, you like running around like a track or something as a little girl with like your blonde hair and just so yep. fantastic to be there like and your dad like really showing you the ropes of like this is kind of what running is like so I think that's that's so much fun when I think about that it makes me smile oh yeah I loved it I would spend you know 12 14 hour days at the track helping my dad out and I would always get free food as a result. So it was like awesome. I was like, I'll do anything for like soda and a hot pretzel. <laughs> it was awesome. <laughs>
<laughs> That's really funny. Oh my gosh. How food incites us. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> sure. Now, um, so you actually went to Shippensburg University, which you mentioned your dad was a coach at. Um, mm -hmm. What made you decide to stay in your hometown and kind of describe a little bit more about what your collegiate running experience was like? Yeah, so I'm going to toot my own horn a little bit here and say that in 2008, the year I graduated high school, I was actually the top senior that year. I had won the national championships on the track in the two mile. And so I had an opportunity to pretty much go wherever I wanted to. Um, and I looked at a lot of different places. Um, I came out to the University of Colorado I looked at Baylor, I looked at Penn State, I looked at Oregon, uh, Washington, and it really came down to I wanted to make the transition to college as seamless as possible because I wanted to have athletic success and academic success coming from a homeschooled environment. Um, you know, I was pretty stressed out about what it was going to be like um, doing college academics and you know just being in a classroom was stressful for me so um, I decided that I wanted to try Shippensburg for a year and sort of keep as much consistent as I possibly could in hopes that that it would help that transition be pretty smooth and then after that decide if I wanted to transfer and I will say I immediately loved it. Um, it just, it just, it felt right. Um, I loved my classes. I loved uh, being on the team and being super successful. Um, I was second at cross country nationals as a freshman and it was such a fun event. My whole team got to go to nationals. And um, so I just, I had a lot of really cool experiences. Uh, I decided on a major, so I did human communication and coaching, which was exactly what I wanted to do. So it was pretty unique. Um, and I just, I clicked right into it. I knew that's what I wanted and I loved it. Um, and then I, that spring, um, we went to nationals in indoor track um, for the distance medley relay. So uh, you, you have people who run a 400, an 800, a 1200, and a mile. And I would do the mile leg, which was the anchor. So I would finish. And we ended up winning uh, nationals and setting in a Division II record. And I, that race is still one of the most important and significant races in my entire running career because of how all four of us had to come together on that day to put forth our best effort and we did it. And it was so cool to get to share that success with my teammates. And I would say like that was the moment where I knew like I'm gonna stay at Shippensburg. I'm really happy here and I love being a part of this team. I'm very loyal to them and I know that I can have a lot of personal success here. And so it was the best thing I think I ever did for my career. Um, I have a lot of friends who went to some, you know, big D1 high-powered programs, and while some of them survived, um, a lot did not, and it becomes a much more like a numbers game when it's just about, uh, you know, num like winning championships, and 
if you can help them, that's great. They love you. And if you can't, then, uh, you know, you're going to get broken and eventually um, either quit or get kicked off the team. And so I really think that being a part of a Division Two environment helped sort of culture my love for running so that I graduated loving running more than ever and knowing that I wanted to make it a career. There's so much in there that's so important to point out. And I think one of the major themes I'm hearing is the idea that you don't have to go to this big D1 school for your running career to work out. Um, and I think that is a common thing that I'm hearing when I talk with athletes is that, you know, um, I want to go D1. I want to do, go to these big schools. You know, I want my PRs and all this stuff. But what I'm hearing from you, Neely, which is really another refreshing thing that you're saying is that, you know, it's okay not to go to these big schools. It's okay to put your happiness first and, you know, your mm -hmm. academics first. And even though running is a huge passion of yours, you also sought out what, what it would do what area would make you happiest and what area yes. would you feel most fulfilled. And that is a really big thing. So um, kudos to you for being able <laughs> to, you know, kind of step outside of what everybody else is doing and really saying, this is what's making, this is what's working for me. And I don't care if it's what everybody else does. It's what's working for me. It's what I love. So um, that's really, really amazing. And I want to ask, was your dad your coach? Yeah. So my dad actually coached me all through middle school, high school, and college. Oh, wow. So it wasn't until I was a professional that my dad was no longer my coach. Yeah. Um, and so I'm so glad you pointed that I think that that is something that is so essential. And as soon as you can figure that piece out, your life gets so much easier and so much better instantaneously. <laughs> yeah, you're so true. I mean, I think about times, and Megan, maybe you can speak to this too, where you just remove yourself from a situation and how much better simple things in life get. Like you sleep better, you eat better. Mm -hmm. You're able to form relationships with other that are, others that are meaningful, not just a... Those environments, we need, I think we need to find, do a better job of finding more of those and, you know, kind of being selfish and saying, this is what um, is really going to work for me in this situation. So, yeah, thank you for speaking to that, Neely. Yeah, no problem. Mm -hmm. um, so, let's see. Where can we go next? Um, so we had a question about how like your college experience could have been better, but like it sounds really like it was amazing. So I'm going to kind of cut that question out. Maybe a question. Ahead, what do you recommend um, for someone choosing a college? Like oh, listeners that are wondering, should I go to this big name school or should I go to, you know, should I stay closer to home? Like how can they best know what, what is the right decision for them? Yeah, I think ultimately it's, I mean, it's so hard. Like when you're making this decision, it's the first like big decision that will change the rest of your life that you've ever had to make before. And so it's so difficult when you're 18, trying to figure out what you want to do, where you want to go, how you're going to envision your life from that, that point forward. Um, but I think, you know, what I found is where are you going to be most comfortable? Where are you going to be most happy? not having to do with the people there, not having to do with, um, you know, the coach or the team necessarily, but really just with the vibe of the university, um, the town that it's in, 
the areas that you can live at? Just are you going to be comfortable with that? You know, I knew right off the bat that I wasn't going to be comfortable going to Penn State because I didn't want to be in a huge school and just be a number. Being in, uh, you know, a class of 700 and something um, just sounded so awful to me. And so I knew that that just wasn't my personality. But I have some friends who went there and have absolutely loved it. Um, for me, I had classes as small as nine at Shippensburg. My largest class was 90. So, you know, that just worked better. So I think like doing some reflection and trying to figure out who you are and what type of environment you're going to thrive in is really essential. So, you know, I think for me, a lot of it was, um, you know, the culture, the environment, and just how I was going to feel I fit into that. And then I was able to be successful. Um, obviously, I think getting to know if as a runner, if you're going to try and run in college, getting to know the coach, um, getting to know the athletes is really important. Go on an official visit, spend your 48 hours there. Um, because a college student can't lie to you for 48 hours. Like you're going to hear stuff come out and you're going to see some real life stuff happen. And if it's a culture and an environment that you really feel like you can click and thrive in, then it might be a good one. Um, but if you feel like you're getting some vibes that maybe aren't what you're looking for, uh, really take those into consideration when you're making your decisions. Definitely. I almost remember, I can recall feeling like there were too many right decisions to make, which mm -hmm. is like a good kind of problem to have. But I guess um, you kind of just know it, you know, with your intuition, you can kind of tune in and figure it out. But um, it's also trial and error. Like I transferred schools totally. and I think that can happen as well. And so, and you'll have, and there's nothing wrong with yeah. that. I think that's the thing. Like so many people are like, I failed. No, no. you didn't. It's okay. Like you figured out more about who you are and what you need and like make that change, make it happen. Cause you're going to be so much happier as a result. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. We interviewed um, Grayson Murphy um, and her hashtag on Instagram is Grayson Grayson. And she has transferred like how many times, Meg? Like three, three or four times. times. Yeah, three oh. times. Yeah. And I think what I love about what you just said, Neely, and what Grayson said is that she was looking for what she needed. Like mm -hmm. it's not about what she wanted necessarily, but what she needed and what was mentally and physically good for her to, right. you know, kind of, I don't, this word might be a little bit intense, but survive in that situation. Um, so I think for her and for you, it sounds like that needing is like a really, really big, important thing. Um, yeah, no, I think that's so important. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad that you guys asked that question. Yeah. Good question, Meg. <laughs> so, yay. I'm kind of switching gears now. We're really excited um, to kind of jump into some races and talk about first your top American finish and coming 13th in the world at the 2013 World Cross Country Championships in mm -hmm. Um, so we'd love to hear a little bit more about what your experience was like here and um, just kind of take us through that race a little bit. Yeah. So the, the World Championships in 2013 was one of the best races I've had as a professional. Um, I was 13th in the world, but also uh, the top American um, and the top non-African. So that was like a pretty awesome moment to figure all those things out. 
But I think the thing that stands out the most to me is not necessarily the place, um, but so much is how I handled the whole experience because we woke up that morning and it had snowed overnight. It was about six to eight inches of snow covering the course. Um, it's in Poland, so it's very cold. Uh, the, the race was typical European style, so it was a 2K loop that we did four times. And the course was up and down a ski slope four times. So we literally like ran up this giant hill, screamed down the other side and did that four times. Um, and so, you know, we had previewed the course and during the warm up, I was talking myself through it and I'm like, okay, you're probably going to fall. You're probably going to lose a shoe. You're going to have people falling around you. Like, don't start out too fast. Just run your own race, like maximize you out there and don't think about anyone else. And that's what I did. I had no idea what place I was in. I had no idea what anyone else was doing, but I was just able to stay super in tuned and focused on what I had to do. And I didn't lose a shoe and I didn't fall, but a lot of people around me did. Um, and I ended up being so successful. And I took I, from that race, I gained so much experience and wisdom and understanding of how I perform my best. And I've been able to apply that every race since. And every race that I forget and I don't apply it, I don't do well. So uh, I, I think that that's something that um, that race was like so pivotal for me was figuring out, wow, these are these, the way I do my best is if I only focus on me, I listen to my breathing, I think about my form, and I don't worry about a single other person. I was, you answered my question, my follow up, because I was going to ask you what those certain things were. Um, and those, that's so interesting to hear. And I'm still giggling at the fact that you ran up a ski. A ski. No. Oh my gosh. Um. I like, so I teach skiing right now, and I'm just imagining running up ski slopes, and I'm like, oh, that sounds terrible. Um, no, well, yeah. what's hilarious is if you look it up on like Athlinks, uh -huh. it's my PR. It's my PR for oh 8K. My gosh. But the thing is, um, in European cross country, uh, the course only has to be within 1K of the measured distance. So I think it was like 600 meters short or something crazy. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. But everyone's like, oh my God, you ran so fast. And I'm like, mm, nope. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Maybe you can get to Spartan racing. Megan, don't they have like Spartan races up um, ski slopes or something? Yeah, I was thinking that. Oh. ran a couple up and down ski slopes and then you add in monkey bars and all of that. And yeah, just carry some buckets and sandbags up the hill too. So oh I would God. not that's be awesome. running now at that point. So. <laughs> I know. I literally feel like I'd be crawling and now I'm imagining yeah. doing it in ski. Boots. Oh, you have to crawl too. You have to crawl oh. on the barbed wire. So. Oh gosh. Okay. Yeah, I don't like that part. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so you've had um, several bouts of in in illness and injury that have kept you from competing and actually most notably from the 2012 and 2016 Olympic trials. Um, how did you physically and mentally combat these unfortunate circumstances and what advice do you have for others who are struggling through injury or illness? Well, I will say that 2012, the year that I missed the first Olympic trials that I've ever qualified for, I did not handle it well. I was extremely upset. And I remember and will never forget that phone call that I got um, 
from my doctor saying that I had a stress fracture in my foot. Um, and I remember just her saying those and me just screaming. Like I just freaked out. And um, I was like at practice in college <laughs> and like just completely lost it. And so looking back, I must have like totally freaked a lot of people out. Um, but it was just like such a strong like emotional reaction. And then I remember I was like, okay, I'm going to cross train. I'm going to do everything I can. Um, and I was doing like an hour in the pool, an hour on the bike, an hour on the ellipse to go. And after like two weeks of that, I completely burned myself out. And I sat on the edge of the pool and I just burst into tears because I didn't want to swim. I was so over this. I just wanted to run. And I was just like emotionally destroyed. So then I started to work through like, okay, the process of how can I let my body heal as well as maintain a level of fitness and sanity throughout this process. So it was a really big learning curve because it was my first ever major injury. Um, and I ended up breaking my foot in my first pro race um, in January of 2012. So I had just turned pro in prep for um, – you know, the 2012 Olympic year. And I had, um, like forgotten my last season of collegiate eligibility, uh, to really just focus on this one goal that I had. And then everything blew up. Um, so that was really challenging. Um, fast forward to, uh, 2016, I had a ton of great races in between those four years. Um, I came back really strong, uh, after 2012 and ran a bunch of PRs that next year. So things, you know, went much better. Um, and that's when I ended up going to Poland and, uh, you know, getting to run the world championships and everything. So that was really neat. Um, and it's funny how I think looking back that there's like a reason why things happen and, um, you know, I, it wasn't my time yet at 2012. So then I was like, okay, 2016, this is going to be it. Like I decided that I wanted to try a marathon and the 2016 trials were going to be my first marathon um, because I qualified through a half marathon, which I just started trying that distance and was really loving it. And uh, anyways, in my last half marathon of the season before I was going to be um, prepping for the Olympic trials, I went around a corner and I felt something funny in my foot and I ended up having to take a month off um, because I messed up my foot again, um, except for the other one. So I was just about to ask, <laughs> was the same foot or the other nope, one? Nope, the opposite one. Um, so then I had to take time off uh, and I just felt like I was rushing, uh, trying to get ready for the 2016 trials. And so that's when I opted to do Boston instead because it gave me two extra months of preparation. Um, and again, like things happen for a reason. It was a great decision. Um, you know, LA ended up being really hot, really brutal um, for a lot of the athletes there. And I'm glad it wasn't my first experience because maybe I wouldn't like the marathon as much as I do now. Um, and so I, I ended up, you know, being the top American at Boston that spring, um, just because I listened to my body and I realized that, you know, I needed to be patient and give it a little bit more time to gain the fitness that I wanted to have leading into my first marathon. So, um, that being said, I'm sort of over this missing Olympic trials things. So, <laughs> That's going to be the main focus um, next year. We'll be trying to prepare um, to qualify for the Olympic trials 
and then show up um, and compete uh, in 2020. Awesome. And I can remember the 2016 um, Boston Marathon because I was getting my master's with Stephanie Dinius and um, she and I were freaking out because we knew how well you were doing. And I know that I think you guys are friends, um, if I remember correctly. So um, she and I were like, oh my gosh, are you watching Neely? And so it was really exciting for us to be there and watch um, you, you know, really go after your goals in that marathon. That was incredible. Uh, Thank you so much. (laughs) Um, so let's see. So what was the Boston marathon like for you? Like what was that experience as a debut marathon? Like you chose Boston and Boston's a really obviously the iconic marathon here in the U S what was that like, you know, heading into that and knowing that your dad, you know, had run, you know, the day you were born. Um, that's pretty cool too. Yeah, it was, it was really neat. And it almost felt like, again, it was meant to be like, it was this full circle feeling. Um, and so that was just really special and I loved getting to, uh, participate in like all the excitement that is associated with Boston because my whole life I've heard all about Boston marathon and, you know, every runner, like as soon as you tell them that you're a marathoner, it's like, oh my gosh, have you done Boston? And so I'm like, yes, yes, I have done Boston. (laughs) Um, So it was so fun uh, to get to be there. And I feel like it's one of the few races where everyone's treated like an elite. Like every single person gets to experience what we experience at every race. And so that was a really cool culture and a really cool environment. And everyone there is like a big fan of running and into the sport. And so I love that part too. I remember the press conference was like four hours long because people kept asking questions. <laughs> and like, you know, other press conferences are like two minutes long. It was like, okay, no more interviews, time to leave. <laughs> um, and so it was just, it was such a cool environment. Um, and then uh, like, I would say with the race, because it was my first one, I really didn't know any different. So for me, I was just like, well, a marathon's a marathon. Like I've never done this before and we're just going to see what happens. And so I think I was a little bit too conservative early on, um, which I definitely recommend err on the side of conservative versus aggressive, um, for a marathon every time. But I ended up, um, like getting up heartbreak hill and then being like, oh, wait, it's, it's a race, like (laughs) time to move. And I just started cranking at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, and from that point in, I think I had like the second fastest last 10 K of the field, um, because I was like on a mission. Um, but I was just so conservative early on that I had a lot left in the tank. And I remember, um, seeing the clock and my goal was to run 235 or under. And I remember seeing the clock coming around to that turn on the Boylston. And I was like, Oh my gosh, I have to move to make this happen. (laughs) And I just started sprinting all out. And I've had a couple people who are like, I've never seen someone kick at the end of a marathon. Like you did at Boston. I was like, yeah, because I was so motivated. Cause when I saw that (laughs) clock, I had to meet my goal. And then I ended up running 235-00. And the second I crossed the finish line, I just vomited everywhere. <laughs> oh, no. So I was like, well, that was awesome. Great first marathon. <laughs> oh. 
I can remember. So we, I worked at Marathon. I worked at Marathon Sports in Boston, and we would set chairs up right outside our window, um, which is right across from the finish line. And um, I would, I remember standing on one of those chairs and seeing you cross the finish line. And I looked to one of my coworkers, and I was like, "Holy moly, she's hauling it right now! Yeah. Like she's going so fast!" Um, yeah. And I, we were like screaming at the top of our lungs. We we're like, "Oh my gosh, this is so cool!" So, um, what a great uh, minus the vomiting at the end. What a great experience it sounds <laughs> <Exactly>. like. <laughs> Well, it just makes it that much more memorable. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so um, kind of talking about what is next, um, we are so excited and want to say congratulations to you um, and for welcoming or that you will be welcoming a new addition to your home soon. Um, what is this going to mean for um, running? Do you plan on running through um Sorry, I had a call coming in. Do you plan to continue running through your pregnancy? Yeah, so we announced, what, two weeks ago, I guess, um, or a week ago, that we're having a baby. So I'm due August 4th, and uh, we are really excited. Um, this past fall, I ended up having some tendonitis that just wouldn't go away, and it wasn't allowing me to do any speed work. And so I was scheduled to run the New York City Marathon, and I just ended up having to scratch out after a month of, like, battling this tendonitis where I could run, you know, mileage, but I couldn't do any workouts, and I just didn't feel comfortable racing um, without being able to get in the training that I'd want to have. So um, during this time, I found out my sister was pregnant. Um, a friend of mine had a baby. And I was really starting to get that like baby fever. Um, and so anyways, my husband and I talked and I was like, it's really hard for me. Like I've been balancing this whole like running career, but like I still have this goal of wanting a family yeah. and it's been this like internal conflict for a long time. And I just feel like now is like a good time to do this. Um, and so he was like very agreeable and it just made sense with it being mm -hmm. an off year. So there's no Olympics or world championships for this year. And so, you know, for me with road racing, like there's always another road race. Um, but with it not being a championship year, it just took a little bit of the pressure off of mm -hmm. racing and everything. And so we ended up deciding like, okay, we'll just try, we'll see what happens. Um, and if not, then we'll just focus on the spring marathon. And so I, uh, we went on vacation in November, um, came back and I was starting to feel good. The tendon was healed and I was like, all right, like, let's get back to training. And so I was starting to ease back into training. Um, and then a day in December, I woke up and I went to put my running clothes on and the room just started spinning. <laughs> I was like, oh no. <laughs> so I took a pregnancy test and sure enough, it came like positive right away. Um, and so I was like, okay, well, I guess a little shift of plans here, no spring marathon. And um, guess where this is happening. So it, it happened a lot quicker than what I had anticipated. Um, but I think my body was just really ready um, because I had taken some time off um, and I just had like eliminated the stress of training as well as, you know, we didn't put a ton of pressure on, you know, trying to get pregnant either. So I think that combination really helped um, just create like a good environment. So 
the funny thing is, um, I didn't actually tell my husband right away because he can't keep a secret. <laughs> and we were going home to visit our family for Christmas. And I knew that he would tell everyone. And so <laughs> I waited two weeks from the time that I oh. found out till when I told him. And then oh I wrapped up the test and gave it to him on Christmas. And so that's what he oh. opened. Um, so it, it was like really cool and really fun. So he's super excited too. But uh, yeah, it was during that time, he, I don't know how he didn't realize, but I kept trying to like play it off. Like, oh, I'm just tired or like, yeah. I'm just not getting back to training as quickly as I feel <laughs> like I should be. And yeah. um, he made me do a, a 13 mile long run. And he was like, okay, I want you to average like sub seven. <laughs> and I went out and it was like almost the race. Like it was as hard as I could almost go. Um, and I finished and I took three naps that day because I was so exhausted. <laughs> and oh typically gosh. like 13 miles is, you know, a regular day of training for me. Like that's not a long run. <laughs> and right. So, yeah. um, I was like, I don't know how he didn't pick up on that, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So I've definitely backed off a ton from training mm-hmm. since that point. Um, and I, you know, in, in full training, I'm usually doing around a hundred mile weeks and I've been doing like 30 to 50 mile weeks. Um, I successfully accomplished my goal of running every day during the first trimester. So woohoo, that was exciting. Um, some days it was just a mile, but yeah. a mile counted as a run. So yes. I've completely uh, shifted my goals and expectations for myself and for my training. And I'm just really trying to listen to my body and um, you know, just let that happen as it needs to. And I have every intention of getting back uh, to competitive running afterwards. Like I mentioned, I really want to qualify for the Olympic trials in 2020 and hope to compete there. Um, but I don't want to rush it. I want to do it right. Um, and I also don't want to stress my body during pregnancy. It's, you know, growing a human, like that's a pretty big deal. And so I wanted to like focus on that. And then I'm just like running a little bit for like sanity and because it's my social outlet and, um, you know, I like to keep my routine, but, uh, you know, I don't plan to run all the way through whenever my body says, no, I'll just stop. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not going to be crazy about it and I'll just listen and let it, let it do what it needs to do. And then I'll take my time getting back and hopefully by this time next year, things will start clicking again. Awesome. Oh, we are so excited for you. And August is a great month to have a baby. My brother's born then. So I like, yes, I'm like nice. super happy about that month um, for you guys and a summer baby will be great. Um, so we're wishing you all the luck in your pregnancy and we're excited for you and Dylan and Strider and whomever this little baby will be. Um, so um, congratulations again. Thank you. Appreciate mm-hmm. it. Of course. (laughs) I wanted to touch on one thing in there too, because when you said he made me go out and run 13 miles, your husband is also your coach, correct? Yes. Yes. Okay. I thought someone might be listening and think her husband just makes her run like, (laughs) I don't know. Yes. So uh, Dylan's been coaching me for the last three years and uh, it was funny because during that time he actually like wanted to sit down and write out a training plan and like start prepping for a spring marathon and all this stuff. And I was like, Oh, well, you know, maybe like I need a couple more weeks to get back into it. And he was like, 
no, let's just like write out the next two months. And so we sat down and had to write out this whole oh. plan with him um, regarding my upcoming training when I knew I wasn't going to be training. Um, so that was really funny. And then afterwards he was like, why did you make me waste my time? And I was like, I tried to get you out of it, but I had this whole plan and you couldn't mess it up because I wanted to tell you on Christmas. Oh. So it was, it was really funny, but yeah, my husband's my coach and, uh, it's worked out really well. Um, I think that it wouldn't work for everyone, but we have a pretty good relationship with it. He really trusts me to read my body and know what I need. And I really value that. So I think, and I'm not someone who needs like motivation. Like I'm pretty motivated and I will take care of business. Like tell me what to do and I'm going to do it. Mm. So, um, it's worked really well. Uh, Steve Magnus also sort of would help advise. So he would look over my training, um, make some suggestions and then was there whenever I had questions, um, you know, especially like on the physiology of things and that sort of thing. And then of course my dad's an awesome resource as well. Um, he's a ton of experience and a lot of knowledge. Um, and he knows me as an athlete. So I feel like I have a really strong support system and they're all very much on the same page with me, just listening to my body and doing what I need to do at this time. And then letting myself come back, um, you know, at a, at the natural pace that my body is ready to do, um, post baby. So Mm -hmm. everyone's been super supportive and very understanding that, uh, you know, this has been a goal of mine and I want to take the time when I'm not racing and not focus on my own training to really get involved in the running community and in um, just making myself a little bit more relatable to mm-hmm. other women runners. Because I think, you know, for me, I'm like, oh, I'm just me. Like, I'm just a person. But, um, you know, I know some of the people who I've looked up to like Sarah Vaughn and Kara Goucher, these running moms who, uh, you know, I'm now friends with, I think it's so neat that they are just like these humble down to earth people, Mm. um, who are just like living real lives, but they've Mm. just done special things as a result. Yeah. So I feel really fortunate. I have people like that who I can look up to, but I feel like they're so relatable to Mm me. Um, especially now as I'm going through, you know, pregnancy and everything. And again, what's so cool about the sport is like, I am going through the same thing that every other pregnant woman out there is going through who wants to, you know, try and stay fit during pregnancy. And so I think it makes me a little bit more relatable to, um, you know, women runners because it's hard for them to be like, Oh, Neely's just like me. Like, you know, she's a two thirty something marathoner. Like that's not as relatable. Um, but for them to be like, Oh, Neely is like pregnant and running. And like, I am too. Like, I really hope that I can, um, you know, just, just make new connections throughout this time and see that the struggles that I'm going through, other people are going through and like the joys and the triumphs as well. Um, you know, just the fact that I was able to run like every day in my first trimester, was like a huge success. And I was so excited about it. And then I looked back at my training from last year and I was like, wow, like I accomplished my goals last year at this time. And I accomplished my goals this year at this time, but they look completely different and that's okay. And that's awesome. And it's all about just like meeting your goal of where you're at, at that point in your life. 
Yeah, I love that last part that you said about how our goals shift and change over time, depending on what's going on in our life. I think that is so important. And um, you say that you've looked up to a lot of runners who are just real and honest. And I think, Megan, if I can speak for you, you know, that's kind of one of the reasons like we enjoy speaking with you, Neely, and we've had you multiple times on SRC because you're real, you're honest, you're a human being just like everybody else. And you're not afraid to kind of put it out there and say, you know, this is what I'm going through. It may not be great, or this is what I'm going through. And it was awesome, you know, so um, we're so happy to have you as part of the community and we're so, so thrilled at all that you want to do to support, you know, and empower female athletes in the running world because it's, it's really, really great. And we're really, really thrilled to have you as part of our SRC little tribe here. So thank you. Yeah. Well, thank you. And it's so neat because I love that I can be open and transparent about yeah. stuff because that's just genuinely who I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's really nice to have these platforms where I can actually talk about it too. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I post on my Instagram and my social media and stuff, um, you know, trying to share this idea and, you know, try and be open and very real. Mm-hmm. But I love getting opportunities to talk more about it. And that was another thing that was so hard when I first found out I was pregnant was, yeah. you know, not being able to share it. And I was like, what do I even say? <laughs> like, yeah. what can I even talk about? Because mm-hmm. my whole life has changed and it's all focused right. on this one tiny little baby inside me. Uh-huh. And like, I can't even talk about it. So <laughs> it was so hard to try and figure out like, what to talk about and avoid a topic because usually I'm just so open and transparent and like, Oh yeah, this is every single thing that's going on in my entire life. Blah. Yeah. So. Um, so I have this feeling cause we are getting a little bit long on time and we don't want to take too much of your time, but um, I have this feeling that we need to do a part two with you. Um, and right now we're getting kind of like the, this is Neely, this is what's going on in the next part. We need to dig deeper into these topics that you really feel passionately about. Um, and and so or, I'm curious. Oh, go ahead, Meg. I was going to say, or this is incentive if you're listening to come to the retreat and you get to have a Q&A live with Neely, too. That's yes. true, too. <laughs> yeah. I love all those ideas. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Oh, I think that's a great idea. Um, so, Neely, you have so much exciting news going on in your life, but what is currently making you thrive? I would say right now it's definitely shifted um, because, you know, my last 14 years have been focused on competitive racing and training. And if I'm not, um, you know, preparing for a race at that point, I have one coming up in the near future and I'm working on a very specific task. And so right now I have had to sort of like transform my I guess, whole approach with things Mm -hmm. um, and realize that what I'm doing is super essential and super important. And there is, um, you know, so much power and, you know, basically like a miracle in what's going on. Um, And so I think that's really helped me like change my attitude because when I was, when I first got pregnant, um, you know, I was still feeling pretty decent running. And then like each week it's progressively gotten worse and worse and worse. Mm -hmm. And so I started off being able to do like 60 mile weeks and then it went to 50 and then 40. And now I'm like, man, if I hit 30 this week, that's going to be amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've learned to just be super grateful for like the moment Mm -hmm. where I am right now today. Um, and to have no expectations and to be super flexible. 
And so these are all like new things for me because I'm super type A and like when I'm training, I have my set routine and my protocol and I start my run exactly at this time. And I, you know, go right to the gym after my run and that's boom, boom, boom. And um, learning and growing um, Mm -hmm. as I have figuratively and literally, um, the past couple of months has been <laughs> so amazing for me. And I think when I come back to competitive racing that I'm going to actually have learned a lot of new things, mm-hmm. um, about myself and about what I need and about what again makes me happy. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think right now what keeps me motivated and inspired is, I enjoy a sense of routine. So every morning I still do something, whether that's a one mile run, um, whether that's an elliptical ride, um, a spin on the bike, some, you know, inner core exercises, some TRX, um, a pool session, whatever I feel like I want to do on that day, I do it first thing in the morning at the same time that I would Mm -hmm. traditionally run. Um, And I think having that schedule has really helped me um, stay focused and motivated. And so I think to everyone, um, like if you let life get in the way, sometimes the day passes by and Mm -hmm. you didn't get to give yourself that time that you deserve. Mm -hmm. So if you can do your, you know, 20, 30 minutes in the morning of your own alone time where you do you, um, like, I feel like the rest of my day goes so much better. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great. I love that, like, giving yourself a part of the day. I don't think we give each other – I don't think we give ourselves enough. I don't know. Maybe exactly. that's just me. We need to give ourselves more. <laughs> yeah, you deserve it. <laughs> totally, right? That's how I feel, no matter what that is. And that could be pretty much anything, anything that brings you joy, yeah. makes you thrive. Exactly. Yeah. Whether it's a walk, you know, mm-hmm. anything, just getting out um, and doing something that you enjoy that's for you mm-hmm. just helps mm-hmm. start your day so much better. Mm-hmm. And so I think true. I'm – for sure. I know for me, I'm a way better person. I, you know, all these things that like, if I don't start the day off with some sort of exercise, then I don't know what to do with myself the rest of the day. I'm like lost. Same. (laughs) It's so So for me, like I have to remember, okay, also Kelsey, you really need to rest today and you yes. really need to not do anything today. So exactly. that's like finding that balance is always such a tricky thing. But, um, I agree. We have these routines that just make us feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter what that is. And I love what you said earlier about being flexible and all those different unique characteristics that you're learning to achieve because I, I'm right there with you. As soon as you said, like being more flexible and those other two aspects that you mentioned, my like heart rate went up. I was like, oh my gosh, I totally know what she's going through. Like, so that is definitely a challenge for sure. Um, So Neely, what does being um, a strong runner chick mean to you? I think this question is so fascinating because (laughs) in some ways, I think we all have a similar answer of like, I'm just being me and I'm embracing a hundred percent who I am. And when we all do that, that's what being a strong runner chick is like loving yourself and taking care of yourself and doing the things that make you happy. Um, and so I think like, that's, that's honestly my answer is like, 
finding that strong runner chick within you Mm -hmm. and embracing it fully and letting it thrive and be, you know, become who you want to become. Um, and I think the other cool thing about it is the sense of community with the strong runner chick, because if I'm a strong runner chick and you are, and you are, and you are, (laughs) all of a sudden we all are. And it's this Mm -hmm. awesome like environment and community that we all get to be a part of where we can motivate and inspire each other. And on the hard days, we have people there to support us. Mm -hmm. And on the good days, we're the ones that are inspiring others. So I love that. And I love that that's what you guys do all the time is just like try and bring the sense of community to other female runners. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> I know, Megan, you should feel yeah. so honored because Megan was the one who found co-founded it. So, mm-hmm. I mean, anytime we hear answers like that, I'm sure, Megan, how, that, how do you feel right now oh, hearing that? I'm so grateful. <laughs> thank you. And I just, I love that it's brought so many people together because that was always my mission behind creating it was to band together um, female distance runners and mm-hmm. just make each other stronger. So that's mm-hmm. what we're aiming to do. Um, yeah. What is it? Hashtag stronger together. Oh yeah. <laughs> that one too. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So um, one final question for anyone who's listening and thinks they might want to have you as a coach. Um, are you currently accepting any new running clients and either way, um, how can listeners connect with you? Yes, I am. Um, so one of my goals during pregnancy is also to build up my coaching clientele. I currently have about 70 to 75 clients uh, who Amazing. I'm working with right now, <laughs> which is super fun. And I love it. Um, like I said, I went to college to be a coach and I started get running mm-hmm. in 2013 with six athletes and it's just progressively grown since. Um, so it's really something that I enjoy. And all of my coaching is how I want to be trained a hundred percent individualized specific for that athlete, because every person is unique, your lifestyle, your goals, your stresses, your job, um, your schedule, everything is just, um, you know, it's different. And so having just, you know, a block plan is not going to set you up for the best success. And so I really want to talk to my athletes. I want to get to know them. I want to build a relationship and then I want to, you know, based on the information and that relationship that's built, um, you know, develop a training plan that makes the most sense for them and eliminates as much stress from running as possible because they want running to be something that's fun and something they look forward to and they enjoy and they, um, you know, they find great benefit in each day. I don't want it to be something that they, uh, you know, get burned out and over fatigued and start to hate it. So I really want to like culture that environment of loving running and enjoying it and building it as a passion because I found that as I do that, that's when I do better and I achieve my goals. So um, you can learn more at neelyruns.com or you can email me at neelyruns at gmail.com and I will definitely respond. Um, and I am accepting clients and I would love to, uh, you know, continue building up the athletes that I have and those connections that I've made all across the country. 
Yeah. An added, an added plus on Neely's website is she has some really awesome recipes. Um, I've definitely made some of them and they are delicious. So take yeah. a look there, you guys, as well. If you're And I have to say, I was so impressed that you um, at Houston had some clients running. You had several clients that you said mm-hmm. were running. So maybe Neely will show up to your race too if you know, exactly. <laughs> I think yes. that's awesome. Uh, like a coach so that actually getting to go yeah. watch my clients run. Mm-hmm. I had six compete at Houston wow. and I went and cheered yeah. them on and I held like a group run, um, the day before so that mm-hmm. I could meet up with them. And then those who couldn't meet up for the run, I did like a team breakfast afterwards so they could come and just grab a coffee or some pancakes and, you know, chat yeah. and everything. So that was really cool because one of the things that's hard about online coaching is that I don't always get to meet my athletes in person. Mm-hmm. And I ended up going to the California International Marathon um, where I had eight athletes running there. And then I'm going to be at Boston this year. So um, if anyone's running Boston, <laughs> come <laughs> say hi. Um, and I am hoping to schedule one or two more events this spring that I'll be at. Oh, that'll be fun. I'm looking, I think everybody's looking forward to getting some more Neely time. You can't get enough, I don't think. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, All right. Well, of that, oh, I'm super oh. excited about the uh, Strong Runner Tricks retreat yes. in June, <laughs> where yes. people are coming out to Boulder, my uh-huh. town. Um, oh, yeah. So I'm definitely excited about that, and I'm really looking forward to being involved um, and getting to really have some like quality time with mm-hmm. the people who sign up for that retreat. We're looking forward to it as well. And we have um, only five, five or so spots left. So um, spots are actually going quickly and we filled it up. So yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, Yeah. it's definitely (laughs) happening. Can't wait to see you there. Um, well, Neely, thank you so much for taking the time this afternoon to speak with us. Uh, I am so excited for your future and what it holds and all that you're going to do to help others and, you know, this beautiful family you're going to develop and have. And we're, we're really excited for you. <laughs> thank you so much. Um, all right, Strong Runners, have a great weekend. Well, actually, I don't know when you'll be listening to this. Have a great, <laughs> great, have a great day or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we look forward to hear, speaking with you again. Yeah. All right. Talk all soon. Right. Thanks for listening to the Strong Runner Chicks Radio. Do us a favor and leave a review in iTunes to help spread awareness and foster the SRC community. Additionally, make sure to follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at Strong Run Chicks.